What up? You're listening to the Lifestyle Practice Podcast. We gon' make it all the way. We don't care what they all will say. Don't listen to the hate, no, listen to my Hey everybody, welcome to the Lifestyle Practice Podcast. We hope you have enjoyed our first couple of recordings. We've really appreciated your support and feedback thus far. Today, we have myself, Steve, and Justin. Justin, how are you doing? Doing good, Steve. Doing good. How about you? I'm doing good. I'm all good here. You're looking good. You're looking good. That's always. (laughs) Are you in Missouri right now? No, I'm actually at our farm in Illinois. Last week, we were in Florida. Then I was in Missouri for a few days. Today, I'm up at the farm severely bug bitten at the end of the day and in this case underwearless but <laughs> you know it's a podcast is that how you work on the farm like when you're shucking corn and stuff is in in that attire no it's not i don't really limit it to shucking corn i pretty much go that way 24 7 it's kind of how i roll steve started in college and it just stuck <laughs> that's good that's good for the record, guys, I'm just kidding. That's not actually a true story. So, anyways. And you don't shut corn, but. No. Where are you at today? So, I'm just here in Augusta. Just sweaty, hot, muggy Augusta. We're getting ready for Labor Day. We're going to be going to Great Wolf Lodge, hit up the water slides with our kids. So, we're doing pretty good. We're excited. I'm ready for the weekend. But first, before we do that, we have got to talk about something today. So our topic this evening is patient experience. A lot of people probably thought a lot about this, heard a lot about this, but we wanted to provide some actionable content that our listeners can apply right away in your offices. So we're going to keep this about 30 minutes, but we want this to be valuable to you if you want to create a practice and overall office experience that keeps the new patient train kind of flowing in, if that makes sense. Agreed. I think customer service is a topic, at least I, and I think a lot of others can kind of get glossy-eyed on when they hear it. So we want to not just rehash everything you've heard 20 other people say, but to have you walk away at the end of this podcast with a few ideas or thoughts different than perhaps what you've had up until this point. Agreed. You know, we talk about this stuff a lot, but this is kind of our everyday. This is our, where the rubber hits the road for most of us all day, every day. So, and then let's face it, everyone kind of thinks that they're a people person and they may be good at this, but there's a good chance that you're not, (laughs) or surely if not, you can improve. So let's cut to it. If we are not on our A game Every day providing, you know, the customer service that we're supposed to patients, it's super easy to find the next person down the street that does. So really to have a next level practice, it's important to have just a really strong, consistent flow of new patients. And in order for that to happen, your office needs to have, basically it needs to create raving fans, which are going to in turn speed up the rate, which we can create more and more and grow our businesses. So Justin, we kind of go through this in our modules in TLP Academy, but kind of to sum up those thoughts, where where does this whole process start? Well, I'm glad you asked, Stephen, 
it definitely starts before the patient enters the office. I think it starts with the realization that everything counts in your office. Every minute detail in your office creates an experience for the patient. And the faster you realize this and embrace it, the better off you're going to be. Your reviews, how your office smells, looks, how the initial call to the office is handled, how people are dressed, do your lights on the ceiling have bugs in them, etc. Each of these things are telling the patient something about you and your office. And as a result, patients are forming opinions. Our word of mouth reputation, our online presence, social reviews are already working to form in our potential patient's mind what kind of a practice and dentist we are. And reviews are so important for so many different reasons. Yes, we all want good reviews to get patients in the door, but good reviews make our job easier in the respect that it helps to form the patient's opinion about us in our office. And what I mean by that, we want patients showing up thinking we're good, that we know what we're doing and that we take exceptional care of people. Because if we can get them thinking that, before they even come into our office, it's easier to keep that momentum going. Just like for a restaurant. If we go try this new restaurant because everyone has raved about how good it is, I'm not going into this restaurant thinking, oh, it's 50-50, you know, it could go either way. Maybe it's good, maybe it's not. I'm already going into this place thinking it's aces. And in turn, I already have an inclination to think this place is good and because everyone else thinks it's so good. That's what I'm expecting to think. And that's exactly how we want people entering our practice. I remember listening to, you know, Chris Phelps had a podcast on the rules of persuasion. It was like Cialdini or Calarini, or it was like something that sounded like a possible, some like mystical Italian guy that was very persuasive. But anyways, one of the things he was, one of them, it was pretty interesting and we, we do it all the time, but I didn't really recognize it is basically there's just too much to process in the world around us. So our brain uses shortcuts to basically form immediate opinions about things. And one of the biggest shortcuts is, is just peer reputation. So basically we rely on other people's experiences to make up our mind. And in this way, we let other people's opinions just become our own without ever experiencing it ourselves. So yes, we want this principle to play in our favor. We want our patient's report card of us to basically be the opinion that other people have of us ever before they even come in. Right. Assuming it's good. I mean, if everyone thinks you you suck, you don't want that person to be like, hey, Dr. Steve sucks because you guys all said he sucks. So we're going with the basis that other people's opinions are good. And, you know, negative, like he also said, like negative is like you have to have like eight times the positive reviews to like outplay a negative experience. And we all know that, but but it's important. You want to limit those as well, for sure. Right. And I think it's the same thing with, you know, besides reviews, like with the person answering the phone. One of my very favorite things for the person answering the phone to do is talk good about people in the office. Oh, you're going to love Dr. Short. He takes such great care of our patients. Or, oh, you're going to love Amanda. She gives the best cleanings. As we all know, referrals are often our best new patients. 
So these are ways to turn non-referred patients into more of the referred mindset patient because they've seen our reviews, they've heard our front desk rave about us, say how good we are, and they in turn think we must be pretty good. And we're helping them or encouraging them to have a good experience once they enter our office because the stage is already set. So that's what we're helping them to do. We're helping them to have a good experience in our office. Now, what kills me is even though I know that one simple line had a big effect on the success of my practice, and that line being, oh, you called the right office. Dr. Short takes wonderful care of our patients. So few doctors, even after I talk to them about it, even after they've heard someone else say it, won't do it because either they're scared to ask everyone who's answering the phones to do it, or for the small percentage who will ask them to do it, even a smaller percentage will actually hold their feet to the fire to make sure they continually do it with every new patient that calls your office. And in my opinion, that's a sign of spineless leadership. I tell my staff, even if you don't believe me, like just lie and say that I'm a really good dad. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're getting paid. Do what I ask you to do. If you don't like me, fine. Still got to do your job, right? And, you know, we all know what a good phone answer, you know, what it sounds like. But the more important question is, do you really know what the answer people are getting at your office is? I remember a few years ago at the breakaway seminars with Scott Luna, who I really appreciate and follow a lot. I really like the stuff he does. But he, you know, was giving some demos on how to answer the phone, how, you know, how it's done properly, how to train your staff. And everyone at the seminar was kind of like nodding, like, yeah, I know this, all that. And then he pulled out a piece of paper and he started calling offices of the dentists that were present in the seminar. And he called them on the microphone in front of everyone. And they were just, every one of the answers was just like terrible, <laughs> you know? Everyone's like, wow, is that really what my office sounds like? It was pretty funny and very eye-opening. So it can be a fun thing to do, you know, borrow a different phone number and and give your office a ring. But we know what a good phone sounds like, a good answer. But are we ensuring that our staff is answering it that way? So, Right. And there's a lot of things like that in our practice. You know, where we know how it should be done. Maybe even we've gone as far as to tell our team how we want it to be done. And it's just such a big percentage of doctors drop off with each step down the line of actually implementing something to really help their practice because they don't want to put people out. What if she quits or what if he quits? You know, if I ask them to this, what if they get pissed off at me? You know, I think we need to call it grow up here leadership. So What's the next phase? You know, we've got the atmosphere set. So they're already believing good things about us. The phone's good. What happens when the patient then enters our practice? Well, I think my opinion is, well, I know my opinion is every patient needs to be greeted by name. And with most things in our practice and life, there are varying degrees of which actions can be taken, right? You can say, I'll let Susie know you're here. You can say, hello, Steve. I'll make sure Susie knows you're here. Or you can say, Steve, good to see you. How have you been? Which of those 
make you feel more well cared for. Obviously, the last one. And again, everything counts. Are the first two going to make, are they going to make you go bankrupt? No. Are they going to make the patient turn around and leave your office? No. But it's still not as good as it could be. And of course, the most common rebuttal we hear is, what if it's a new patient and we don't know it's them? Then again, going back to our new leadership seminar, the answer is freaking grow a pair and guess. If we know Megan, who is a 35-year-old Caucasian female, has an appointment at 2 p.m. and a 30-something female walks in that we don't know or recognize at 155, I feel pretty safe taking that monumental leap of faith and saying, you must be Megan. It's so nice to meet you. I mean, I get that I'm crazy, but I think most could do that. Besides that, you know, how does the waiting room look, feel, and smell? Is there dust in the corners, trash on the floor, magazines thrown around everywhere? That all says something. In turn, if it looks like you give a damn, it smells good, it's clean, that also says something. Everything matters. My good buddy Paul Etchison talks about in his book, Dental Practice Hero, about having his team all sit in different areas of the office for like two or three minutes at a time and write down what they see. How's it look? How's it smell? Is there dirt in the corners? Is there bugs in the lights? You know, look at everything. We get used to it, you know, so we become blind to it. When you see it every day, you start to miss the details and the devil is in the details. So going back real quick to his exercise, because I think it's a great exercise for teams to do is, you know, so we'll have one person in the in operatory, one in the bathroom, one in the waiting room, one in the front desk area, blah, blah, blah. So they all sit there two, three minutes, look at everything, really study it, see, you know, what's looking good, what's looking bad. And then they switch and they rotate and they go through and then they all compare notes. So I think it's a great exercise for people to do. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. You can do that as the patient experience as well, like during treatment, you know, literally putting ourselves in the patient's position. I like doing dental work on staff. Actually, I hate doing dental work on staff, but I like being able to teach them or kind of walk them through the patient experience of being in the chair, you know, so this is how anesthetic really tastes. You know, this is what it's like when you jab the high vac suction into your gums. You know, here's a dry glove pulling on your lip rather than, you know, a wet glove gently opening the mouth. Basically helping our staff to really internalize and see it from the patient's perspective. They don't really have, you know, the stake or ownership in it that we do. You know, so often it's just kind of like a job going through teens, but really kind of putting them in their shoes. I think that that can be a a really good exercise. So it sounds like a good one. Do you let them do that to you? I haven't yet. Should I? Oh, well, I've done the the cleaning, so. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's kind of kind of close, Steve, but I think it would only be Not a bad idea. Turn about as fair play. Yeah, yeah. My brother, he's an oral surgeon. He took out his own wisdom teeth a while back and he let his assistants like try on one, so I guess I guess he did, but not recommended. Yeah, he's a kind of his own level of manhood, but nonetheless no kidding that's impressive yeah yeah don't do it at home kids i'm picturing your brother looking like braveheart right now reaching back there with poor stuff yeah he painted his face too that's hardcore <laughs> he texted me right after it was i would text everybody 
right after that was the selfie of look what I just did. <laughs> no anesthetic. Yeah. So, so we got the experience going. Um, our staff is kind of on board with the vision we want. Now, what about us? So let's say the patient's in the chair and the doctor comes in. First impressions are golden. We only have one. What should we be doing in that first interaction? You know, sometimes there's only a few minutes, you know, in a busy day. So how do you quickly build rapport with a patient? Or really, how do you build enough trust that fast to really help them commit to buy into a a big treatment plan or something like that? I honestly have no idea, Steve. Next question. No, I, I think you do. It was rhetorical. So, <laughs> so this is an area I, that I think is too often left to chance. We know these are conversations we're going to have many times a day, hundreds of thousands of times throughout our career. But so few of us really take the time to reflect on it and work on it, polishing it outside of the time we're sitting face-to-face with a patient thinking we'll just inherently get better with time. And we do to some extent, but at a much slower pace than we would have if we put the time in and practice, rehearsed, prepared for it, role-played, whatever. And again, I think most people are probably listening to this right now, like, good one, buddy, I got better things to do. But using myself as an example, I did these things and not pat myself on the back, but now I can do whatever the heck I want while you're still practicing. So put the time in. A large percentage of docs that come through coaching with TLP make the same comment that they tend to talk too much during exams. And a large percentage of the time, I agree with them. If you want to be an efficient high producer, you just can't go in with diarrhea of the mouth in every exam. You've got to work to be concise and efficient when building rapport and presenting treatment. Every word that comes out of your mouth should have to fight to be worthy to be spoken during that interaction. I'm much more impressed by the doc who can go in and build the same amount of report in one or two minutes than it's someone who sit there and like, I spend 10 to 15 minutes with my patients. Well, good. Then you're lazy for not getting better and getting it down and you're wasting time. To me, the doc taking 10 plus minutes to build the report, you know, like I said, is lazy for not taking the time and effort to refine their one act play when going into that hygiene room. So how do you get better? Practice. We recently sold our house in July and I was cleaning out my office. I found several notebooks of handwritten hypothetical conversations I could be having with patients from early in my career. It may sound stupid to some of you. It honestly sounds really stupid to myself right now when I found them. Like I totally forgot I did these and it was like, Justin, patient. The patient says, Dr. Short, but I don't want to do three crowns at a time. Dr. Short says, I'm going to knock you out, lady. No, you know, but I would have these conversations going back so I could practice and get better. Like, what am I going to say? I know these conversations are going to happen. So what am I going to say when a patient says this? What if they don't say that? What if they say this? This is how I will come at those. And like I said, I have like four or five notebooks. So that should be good for like a nerd Oscar award. But You know, it wasn't fun, I'm sure, but the effort pays off, bottom line. Yeah, and you were were intentional about it. You know, along those lines, I think a couple, you know, low-level things that it's good for every dentist to do and remember in each interaction, 
you know, genuine smile, use the patient's name. I like to do some type of physical touch during every, you know, interaction. Whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, whoa, I know. Let me asterisk and clarify that. Usually a handshake or a touch on the shoulder, but really some type of connection that way, I think is important. And then, you know, conversation-wise, get a list of five questions that you can pull at the drop of a hat to build rapport with your patients. You know, the easy information ones, you know, are you from the area? What do you do? Do you have kids? How old are they? And then, you know, better things. So do you have any trips or plans coming up? And then eventually, you know, more meaningful conversations have have better connection. Like, what do you like to do in your free time? Or when you're not stuck in a dental office, you know, what do you do for fun? And people will, they like to talk about stuff they like. So they'll usually open up to that. And then, you know, you may have super memory. You probably did in your treasure trove of notes. But if you don't, that's okay. That's what our team members standing by, you know, the treatment notes for. They can very easily just put in the computer, you know, three kids, these ages, patient likes to run marathons and has one in July or whatever's going on. So then your next recall that, you know, the month after you can just pop that up. So how did your marathon go? You know, did your kids come out and cheer you on? Or basically you're just showing that you care. You remember something about them. You remember what's important to them, right? And I think it's that level of connection that really causes patients to want to stay. They feel accepted at the office. So they're more willing to refer, you know, their friends and accept your treatment plans. These aren't hard things. You know, you don't have to go buy a $50,000 CBCT for this type of stuff. You don't have to fly across the country for a week and and take a, a class in CE on this. I mean, you just kind of have to have the backbone to commit yourself to learn it and then to train your team to do it. And then kind of like we talked about earlier, hold them accountable and just kind of really be willing to put the effort in. I agree with all that you said. And I really, I want to make sure it doesn't get glossed over that what you talked about, you know, we do the same thing. Like when you're talking to a patient, you're building rapport and you're asking these five questions that you've designed to build rapport with patients. I think it's imperative that your hygienist, whoever's in the room, is taking notes off the information you get, not making a big deal out of it. It makes you look polished. So I'm sitting in front of the patient. My hygienist is behind her with the computer up, not tapping super lightly. So it sounds like she's a freaking court reporter, but like, you know, when a patient says something, I have three kids, boom, it's in the computer. So as soon as I, before I walk into the hygiene exam, six months from now, I can look at these bullet points and go in and say, hey, how are the kids doing? They start school. How'd your marathon go? How'd your vacation go? Whatever. And it makes that office look tight. And if you don't want to do these things, that's fine. You know, we don't care. But just don't be being and moaning about why you struggle to get ahead. Own that you're not willing to put in the effort. I respect that. I don't agree with it, but I respect someone who says, you know what? I get it. I should do those. I don't want it bad enough, so I'm not going to do it. I'd be like, boom, good for you. Own it. Jerry Rice said, how can you not give 100% when it's 100% your choice? And there's nothing that can stop you from doing the simple things like this and putting in the effort to do them besides you. Yeah. And they can be learned with effort. You know, soft skills can be learned just like other things. You know, reps and practice 
if you're doing it intentionally can help it come more naturally but even if not just kind of fake it tell you make it if you have to you know some people we need to do a lot of faking that's okay i don't know about you justin but lots of times that like today in my office sometimes i just feel while i'm at work i'm like an actor you know i have this like nasty root canal going on my patient next door just like doesn't want to stop bleeding i'm stressed and behind and then you have to walk into a recall patient appointment and just put your arms back for a minute even just for a little bit and kind of act like they're the only thing on your mind you know and you give them the experience they need all the while with everything that's going on in the background you know your head's about to explode you're just keeping calm and even under pressure in front of patients and staff. Yeah, 100%. I mean, if I said everything, like if I had like some of those movies where the, you know, the person has something going on where they have to speak the truth every time, if I had to do that, I mean, I wasn't lying to patients, but if I could just speak my mind in my office, I would have had zero patients at the end of the day. And I do usually speak my mind as I think most people know, but at the office, it wasn't about me. It wasn't about Justin and what he wants to do or what he wants to get off his chest or why he wants to ask the patient, have you ever picked up a toothbrush? It was about my patients, 100%, my patients and my team. And that mentality, being able to put ourselves on the back burner is what pushed me ahead. Maybe it was selfish down at the very the root of it, but it worked. And I think so often we feel like we need to get our way or get our feelings across or have our opinions heard. And a lot of times we don't. Yeah. Yeah. Leaders eat last, you know, you know, going along with those lines. So I remember one thing that, that you said once that kind of stuck out to me is your goal at the office was to make the patient feel better about themselves, not just the office, but to feel better about themselves. Tell us about that. Yeah, that was kind of our mantra. I always told my team, our goal was to build our patients up in some way so that they left feeling better about themselves, not good just about our office. And if you can get the former down, the latter can't help but follow. Bottom line, everyone, we all like to be around people that make us feel better about ourselves people who are encouraging, complimentary, funny, good listeners, what have you. So maybe it's a compliment. You know, I, I really like those shoes you have on. I really like that sweater. I really admire how disciplined you are training for a marathon like you are. It's always nice having you in the office. It really brightens our day. I had a patient one time whose children, she had to bring to the appointment. You know, everyone knows how that is. Most of the time, mom's getting her teeth clean. Kids are freaking running around. They're pounding beers that were in the waiting room, stuff like that. But these kids were very well behaved. And as she was checking out, I didn't feel like it. I just wanted to go to my office and check my email or whatever. But I asked her to come into my office and I told her how impressed I was by her kids. And that I'm sure it's a lot of hard work, but I think she's doing an excellent job. At parenting. You pull her into your office and kind of, that's cool. Yeah. I mean, it was, I get it. It was slightly, everyone's probably thinking, well, that's kind of awkward. Yeah. It was awkward for me too. But you know what? No, that's a special, she'll remember that, you know? Right. I mean, she's not going anywhere. You know, if I tell her she needs some treatment, she's getting it done. But I, I mean, that's not why I did it. I was, 
it was a genuine compliment, but that's the effect it has when you are genuine and you can say things to patients like that. Another thing we would do sometimes when we were working on a patient and they mentioned they have a favorite something, maybe it's a cocktail, maybe it's a wine type of beer. I don't know why I keep revolving around alcohol. Maybe it's a restaurant. They love Smoothie King or whatever. Once you train yourself to listen for it, you start to hear things more and more. And we'd be looking for these things and try to surprise our patients when we could by getting them a six pack or a gift card or something like that for no reason. Hey, you mentioned this last time I happened to have dinner there the other night. I thought of you. So I picked up this card and that's how you lock patients in and get raving fans. Also, anytime someone got a bigger case done in our office, maybe veneers or something, we'd send them flowers the day after thanking them and congratulating them. You know, we were just always looking. Yeah. I didn't know you did that stuff. That's a great idea. I mean, I've always thought, you know, my post-op calls at the end of the day were really special to people, but I mean, you're doing flower, like you're playing chess the whole time while I've been playing checkers here. I mean, you're sending flowers after veneers and stuff. That's, that's legit. <laughs> that's a really good idea. I'll have to, I'll have to start doing this stuff here. That's good. Good. So we all walked away with something. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a, a quick snapshot or some ideas, some pearls that we can use right away in our offices. You know, we talked about this before, you know, we study this stuff. Maybe in our minds, we think we're pros at this already, but this is really our bread and butter every day. And it's the little kind of juice that drives the culture and feel at our offices. So maybe try a few of these things. If you have any questions, you know, about what flowers or gift cards are best to give patients after this stuff, you know, feel free to dialogue on our Facebook podcast page and we can brainstorm some more ideas together about all this. Yeah. If you want to know what flowers are best, just call me directly on my cell phone any time of day. Yeah. He's well, well versed in that. Anytime, anytime. <laughs> all right, Justin. Thanks, my man. That was good. Yeah. People out there, check out our new Facebook page, the Lifestyle Practice Podcast. If you have any questions, you can always email us, Justin, Steve, or Derek at lifestylepractice.com. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next week. Peace.